Hey everybody, welcome into your WandaVision primer, getting you ready with everything you need to know about the maiden project of the new era in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We are going to cover cast, crew, production, promotion, the story, and a whole lot more. Check the time codes to jump ahead. Let's go. Welcome into the WandaVision Primer episode for those at home who do not know. These Primer episodes are built to get you ready for everything you need to know heading into a new project ahead of its release. We're going to talk about cast, crew, the production history, what the story is about, what we can tell from the trailers, what we can tell from interviews, and then at the very end, we're going to talk about what we can expect from WandaVision, the very first show for the Marvel Cinematic Universe on Disney Plus. In the future, anytime you see a primer episode right here on the Direct Podcast, know that we are getting you ready for new content coming soon. So, Liam, we've made it. We're here. We did it. We are so, so close to new Marvel content for the first time since June 2019. How does that make you feel? Relieved. Uh, yeah. A lot of big weight lifted off my chest because the uncertainty was what was killing me. If you had told yeah. me you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, no Marvel until 2022. I would have been very upset, but the certainty would have been like, all right, at least I know where it is. The past, you know, somewhat months have just been, so when's it coming? Is it coming this week, next week, next year, next month? Who knows? Once we got that release date, the weight was lifted off our shoulders. Once we got that release date, we knew the promotional material was going to ramp up. Seeing TV spots for this show on football games, on Emmy oh. Awards, the excitement is through the roof and man, you know, it's great to have movies coming out again. Wonder Woman 1984. It was great to cover the Mandalorian uh, back in October, November, and December. But at the end of the day, Matt, me and you, we always say we're a couple Marvel guys and we're mm -hmm. finally getting that Marvel itch back. And I'm so through the roof stoked for this show. We spent a good amount of time talking about how we felt about Wonder Woman 1984, but something that cannot be disputed was our excitement for that project. Some of the best trailers we've ever seen. This was the first big comic book property to be released since the pandemic hit. The weight on Wonder Woman 1984's shoulders was immense. Everybody was going to watch it. Everybody was excited for new content. The bar was so high, even for a DCEU film. I kind of like that Wonder Woman 1984 in a way took the hit of being the first project out because WandaVision is primed, set, and ready to blow people away. The, I, I can't stress enough how excited I am for the show. I've talked on this podcast multiple times. Wanda is my favorite character in the MCU. Her relationship with Vision, I think, is one of the more underrated relationships in the MCU. Something that we can dive into at another time. That sounds like a good draft, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a great I'm draft. I'm thinking that's a good one. Um, but, you know, so, you know, me personally, this is like my dream show. If they're going to make a Dis if they're going to make a Marvel show, I want the Wanda show. I want the House of M Vision show. Um, but, you know, just for everybody in the comic book world, this is a big moment. Marvel doing TV for the first time ever, the new era of the MCU. And uh, we're going to get you guys ready for it. We're going to get you guys prepared for WandaVision releasing next week, January 15th on Disney Plus. Confirmed. Nine episodes, not eight. Nine episodes of WandaVision. Liam, this is all you. Give me your thoughts on the nine episode format that we can expect from WandaVision. So this is actually pretty big news because just a week ago or a couple of days ago, uh, time of recording, it was reported that WandaVision was going to run for eight weeks, which made us all think, okay, we're getting eight episodes, but we always said at least eight because we never know with these Marvel shows with what you know Marvel has in store for us. The fact that you know the eight-week run was never officially confirmed by Marvel. It was put out on a Marvel, I believe, South American page, something like that. So until it's confirmed by Marvel that this show will wrap up on March 5th, still take it with a grain of salt. But knowing that Falcon and Winter Soldier drops March 19th and knowing that they like to do these gallery behind-the-scenes episodes immediately following a season ending, oh. it only makes sense that March 12th, 
is the gallery for WandaVision. March 5th is when it ends. So if you're asking how are we going to get nine episodes in eight weeks? Well, let me tell you, I think we're getting a two episode premiere on January 15th. And I don't think we're going to know until the day before the night of something like that. I think Kevin Feige is going to release a nice little video and say, hey, thanks so much for sticking with us. We know it was an off year. We know you're not used to that as Marvel fans, but we want to rope you in to phase four with a nice little two-part premiere of not just WandaVision, not just the MCU on Disney+, Plus, but the premiere of phase four. I think we're getting a two-part uh, premiere next week, Matt. The idea of a WandaVision gallery series... I hadn't even thought about it. Here's my official response. Let's go. Let's go. That's exciting stuff. So, um, you know, those are the details, guys, coming out next week, January 15th, Disney Plus. Set your clocks. We believe hasn't been officially confirmed, but the internet has, you know, come to an agreement that we believe this is going to be a Mandalorian style release, uh, 3 a.m. Eastern, uh, uh, midnight Pacific. So, you know, guys, we, we've ran this drill. That's the nice thing. You know what I mean? We've, we've all become accustomed we've to We've been the, here before. <laughs> we have. We've run this game. So, you know, if you're like Liam and you like to stay up until it releases, idiot, um, you know, do that. <laughs> if you're like me and you get up two hours after it releases, <laughs> do that. But, you know, just get ready because we're, nobody's really sure how this is going to come out, but we can expect a 3 a.m. Eastern release. Let's dive into it. Who is in this show? We're going to break down the cast and crew, starting, of course, with our main stars, the return of what I just said. One of the most underrated couples in the MCU, Elizabeth Olsen playing Wanda Maximoff, a.k.a. a.k.a. AKA, AKA the Scarlet Witch, and Paul Bettany returning as the Vision. These two have been through the ringer. Phase two is when we first saw these two. They debuted in the same movie, Avengers Age of Ultron, um, you know, different story for a different time, but their connection in that movie right away is so subtle and so nuanced and it makes this show make sense for me. Um, so seeing them return, they've been the faces of the promotion of this show. Um, you know, we haven't really seen much of the supporting cast get out front and, you know, start promoting this thing, but Lizzie Olsen and Paul Bettany have been plugging this like crazy. They are adorable. <laughs> I don't think anybody's going to argue they are adorable and they seem really excited. So I'm really excited to see them come back. Returning characters, Liam. At Dennings coming back is Darcy Lewis from Thor one and Thor two. So she's been off screen within the confines of the MCU for seven years now, which is pretty new. Yeah. Randall Park coming back as Jimmy Woo. You know him from Ant-Man and the Wasp. Taylor Paris coming back quotes as Monica Rambeau and heavy quotes on that because Monica Rambeau is a character already introduced into the Marvel Cinematic Universe in Captain Marvel as a little girl, little, little Lieutenant Trouble. Say that five times fast. Little Lieutenant Trouble, little Lieutenant Trouble, little Lieutenant Trouble, little Lieutenant Trouble, little Lieutenant Trouble. Where's my trophy? Congrats. Everyone, everyone shout out Matt on Twitter. But Tayana Paris playing grown up Monica Rambeau Said photos seem to indicate that she's somewhat affiliated with S.W.O.R.D. We'll get into S.W.O.R.D. in just a little bit, but she also has some sort of role within this WandaVision warped reality. So her character, definitely one of the more intriguing, returning, air quotes on work, returning characters going into this show. And for those who don't know, a little comic book history here, uh, Monica Rambeau is a character deep, deep in the roots of Marvel Comics. She plays Photon or the original Captain Marvel. So, you know, we have a lot of implications for this character moving forward. It's so unique that she's being introduced in this show. Super exciting. Uh, new characters, characters we haven't met or characters that we can expect might show up, not confirmed, whatever. The one that is confirmed, the one that I think everybody is very excited about, Catherine Hahn as Agnes, the nosy neighbor, Maybe Agatha Harkness, a classic Wanda Maximoff uh, mentor, villain character in the comics. Um, you know, a magic tutor, essentially. But Catherine Hahn playing the nosy neighbor. Yeah. I mean, she is electric in every movie she's ever been in. And I'm so excited to see her add her twist, her fun comedic beats to the MCU. But we've seen in some trailers. She's going to have some pretty deep psychotic moments. You know what I mean? Like she's the one asking where the Avengers are. She's the one asking vision. Is this real? Do you know where you are? Do you know who you are? So I think Catherine Hahn, uh, she's one of the only characters we've seen in every different era 
throughout these trailers and Very you know so point. she's going to be a constant throughout which you know that's what lends people to believe she's a part of it um but i'm um, super excited to see her make her mcu debut and um just one other rumor we don't know we're not sure there is a pietro maximoff rumor that he could be returning in the show in some way shape or form if it's a flashback i'm thinking aaron tyler johnson coming yeah. back you know gone too soon joss whedon has to kill somebody he picked aaron tyler johnson <laughs> Um, or the preferred Quicksilver by most of the comic book community, Evan Peters might make his way into this show. Um, he is he is definitely cast, correct? Is he rumored yes. or is he cast? So he's Evan definitely Peters is on the IMDb as a part of the show. Yeah. Okay. So you know, right off the top, when Evan Peters got attached to the show, everybody thought, okay. The Fox Quicksilver is making their way into the MCU. The multiverse pops wide open. We don't even need to see Spider-Man 3 at this point, right? But there's rumblings he could play different characters such as Mephisto, Nightmare, more of a villain role, which would be cool to see Evan Peters get into the MCU in a non-Quicksilver way. And then um, there's the Beekeeper. Uh, this most recent trailer that came out the day of recording, um, you know, that's a pretty ominous looking figure in it liam uh, what do you know about the beekeeper what what can we tell from the beekeeper sword in this entity so it should be known that like the beekeeper is not the character's name you know th- right. it's not a villain right. or hero known as the beekeeper but we're referring to them as the beekeeper because that's all we really know right now wearing the beekeeper and, mask exactly and there's a mysterious figure um in that beekeeper jumpsuit mask their faces blacked out you can't see who they are but the trailers don't show too much of them, but they do emphasize them enough. That leads me to believe they're going to be a main role going forward. And, you know, trailers are cut up in a certain way that ominous line Jimmy Woo gives of Wanda, who's doing this to you. That line is cut and it cuts to this mysterious beekeeper, planting the seed in your mind that whoever is under this jumpsuit is the villain of this show, which could be if Evan Peters is playing a Mephisto, a nightmare, that could be who's under the beekeeper suit. But most interestingly, coming from a uh, TV spot that dropped today, time of recording, uh, the beekeeper on the back of his jumpsuit, you can see a sword logo. So sword, for those who don't know, it's kind of like space shield. And they seem to be making their first presence felt in this show. We know, we've known for some time. Well, they, they do appear in Captain Marvel, correct? No, but- I don't know. Spider-Man Far From Home. Yes, in the post-credits scene. Yes. Yes, but this is the first time they're making like you know, not, I wouldn't say it was hidden in Far From Home, but at the they weren't like a main part of the story. This is their first branded appearance. This is yes. Sword. Yeah. That, that's a good way to put it. First branded appearance. So we know from set photos and logos that have gone on promotional material that Sword is going to play a pivotal role. So if this beekeeper is wearing a Sword jumpsuit, it leads me to believe that whoever this person is could be coming from the outside and is infiltrating WandaVision going in we can get more into speculation on story in just a little bit but that's where i where my head is kind of at when it comes to the beekeeper it's so strange talking about you know just the cast and crew because you know the mystery around the show is so detailed we haven't really gone into it yet so it's hard to kind of weave so around excited it, though it's getting me so excited it's, it's so perfect um so just to recap elizabeth olsen paul bettany returning as wanda and vision cat dennings randall park returning as their side characters within the mcu and tiana prince reprises monica rambeau as an adult Catherine Hahn, Agnes, the nosy neighbor, Evan Peters in a mystery role. Maybe it's Quicksilver. Maybe it's not. We shall see. Let's talk about behind the camera. This will be directed at least, um, you know, partially directed by Matt Shackman, known for directing episodes of Game of Thrones, um, season seven, episode four, The Spoils of War, season seven, episode five, Best Watch. He also directed an episode of The Boys, um, season one, episode two. Uh, that's as far as I've gotten in that show, by the way. And he has also um, had some experience in shows such as Succession, Fargo, Mad Men, and Always Sunny. Um, he is credited for six episodes. Unclear who's directing the other three at this time. We saw this from The Mandalorian. Multiple directors coming in and working Filoni and Favreau's vision. Um, that's super exciting, that prospect in the MCU. I think Kevin Feige would probably want someone like Shackman to take more than less of the work here you know six episodes rumored but um you know kevin foggy likes a little continuity especially with directors you know we've seen with the russo brothers and um we've seen with um john watts with the spider-man films um you know he likes to keep it there but uh yeah you know I, i'm not hyper familiar with matt shackman's work but he has a very vast tv 
background. You know what I mean? You know, all the way from Game of Thrones to Always Sunny in Philadelphia, that's a wide spectrum. And for a show that is covering the spectrum of the history of television, sounds pretty accurate. Absolutely. And it should be noted that he's credited for six episodes, but also on IMDb, Paul Bettany, Elizabeth Olsen are only credited for six episodes. So it's it's very possible that he ends up directing this whole nine episode run and that they just don't have that confirmed just yet. Right. But I mean, if anyone's going to fill those last three episodes for continuity's sake, Matt Shackman sounds good. But for for fans sake, I think, Matt, are you are you telling me are you hiding something from me? Are you directing episodes seven through nine? Absolutely. I've read House of M twice, so I think I'm more than qualified to um, direct episode five of WandaVision. Check out Matt Rimke's directorial debut on Disney+. Plus. Um, <laughs> um, but I think that you know something that we should talk about here, Liam, you just put yeah. this in our notes right before. Actually, you know what? Let's get the synopsis first. Let's get into what the sure. show is about, and then we'll get into our thoughts, theories, and expectations. So here's Love the synopsis it. for WandaVision, premiering on Disney+, Plus January 15th. Marvel Studios presents WandaVision, a blend of classic television and the Marvel Cinematic Universe in which Wanda Maximoff, played by Lizzie Olsen, and The Vision, played by Paul Bettany, two superpowered beings living idealized suburban lives, begin to suspect that everything is not as it seems. The new series is directed by Matt Shackman, and Jack Schaefer is head writer. And right before we get into how this show was promoted and advertised, we're going to dive into the influences that this show is pulling from. And helping us with that is the direct.com's own Julia Dell Bell. Julia, how are we doing? Hi, I'm doing well. I'm glad, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, we're glad to have you. Thank you so much. Julia is going to help us kind of figure out what all the different influence, not only from classic TV, but also the comic books that we're going to be pulling from. So, Julia, I got to know, I'm not the biggest comic book reader. I'm still getting there as as I get more invested into the MCU. But I know that this show is going to pull a lot from the House of M storyline. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about what's going on there? Okay, so, yeah, I think the House of M storyline um, of all the comics that um, this series is pulling from is the one where it's sort of like based on like how the story is going to be like, it's going to follow similar beats, I think, to an extent. Mm -hmm. So House of M is focused on Scarlet Witch's changing reality. She's depressed from realizing, I think, I believe it's when she realizes her children aren't real. Yes. I'm not sure if that was before or after. I'm sorry. Yeah, I've she, read a few of these lately had, to prepare for this series. And she, it's all like one big blur to me. She used, yeah, no, you're fine. She used her witch magic to somewhat manifest her twins. And then somebody yeah. made the mistake of telling her that those weren't real. And yeah. And they told her, yeah, so they're not real. So she had, um, <laughs> so yeah, she kind of went, I don't want to say went nuts because she was dealing with a lot of stuff, but a lot of for trauma. Sure. And that resulted in, um, the all the Avengers and X-Men um, woke up one day and the reality was changed but and they were basically living their dream lives like Spider-Man was married to I believe it was Mary Jane I don't think it was Gwen Stacy was it or was it Gwen Stacy I don't know but I do know he was a professional wrestler <laughs> yeah he was yeah a I saw memes about that he was an actual professional wrestler to yeah he was married to one of the two women Spider-Man Spider-Man was married and a wrestler he was fine Cap yeah. grew old and was able yeah, to Cap grow old, old. And like, you know, um, live his life. So like everybody's kind of living their ideal yeah. life. But WandaVision seems to be putting a spin on it. Yeah. So the spin on it is, um, and this kind of comes in the series in a lot of ways, I think. But it, every, everyone's living their dream lives. But most of them, like, except for Wolverine notices first and then a few other people do. They don't realize their life has changed. They believe it's always been like this. And right before this, the Avengers disassembled and they realized it was Wanda doing it. And it was really sad it's such then, a good run if you guys haven't read yeah, it this, uh, this is avengers disassembled <laughs> going into um house of m uh-huh so a lot of comics connecting here i'm sorry i know i find comics hard too Liam, so it's, don't it's, you worry about that comic but, books. <laughs> yeah so that's how it kind of plays out so and then they have to they realize it's coming um th that they're they're not in their regular world so they want to put it back to the way it was so they go through this whole thing and then they eventually have to approach Wanda herself. Doctor Strange does this. So there's rumors he might be appearing in WandaVision. So maybe Ooh. that could play into this scene. Wanda's just happy with her twins. She's there. And then Doctor Strange really tries to pull her out of it. And basically the whole thing ends up, she ends up whispering, no more mutants. And then like 90% of mutants in the Marvel Universe disappear early. They don't disappear, but their powers They disappear. lose so their powers. There. So, so it's wow. the power specifically so dude, they're still there dude, so basically so <laughs> yeah 
it's really something. I haven't actually read the comics that come right after, but I really want to because it, it it's like wow. Because I haven't read that much mutant stuff, but I want to. The um, X Men comics yeah. that follow follow that story a little more than the Avengers stuff. The Avengers yeah. kind of go on living their lives. I've been so doing a lot of the Avengers stuff because you know MCU. I want to understand like sure. where the influences come from and such. But Man. I do want to read more about X Men. Um, but yeah, so the whole thing is so basically the flip reality thing. In the comic, it doesn't actually focus on Scarlet Witch that much. And uh, the thing is, like, this House of them is always called, like, this big story for Scarlet Witch. And I mean, it is, but, like, it, the focus isn't really on her. We don't see her for much of the story. There's mm -hmm. full issues we don't see her on. There's eight issues. Maybe she's in maybe, like, two or three of them. She's in, in the total. last three, yeah. Yeah, she's in the last three. She's not even at the beginning. That's right. Um, or no, she is a little bit. That's she's, right. she's in the they talk one. about her throughout the whole thing. She's, oh, yeah, really she's a big presence. Exactly. She's a big presence. Everybody kind of, Wolverine knows what's up. And she knows that yeah. Wanda is a part of it. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. For those who don't know, by the way, listening, Wanda is an X-Men in the MCU as well as an Avenger. I mean, Marvel Comics as well as an Avenger. So that's how Wolverine knows her so well and so many characters know her and such. Um, but in WandaVision, this series is clearly focused on Wanda and her world she creates. Like, this is her creation. And it's kind of focused how she makes the world and how it's affecting her that she's in a different reality. Um, I think there's going to be parts of this series where she realizes what's going on and when she doesn't. Because even in the early, and I think it's going to switch between. Like, I think mm -hmm. when other people come in the world, it looks very obvious that from the get out, they don't know what's going on. And someone like Agnes has to, like, have a sudden realization, like, something happens to her to realize Vision's dead, actually, in the real world. And um, when Monica Rambeau comes on in, mm -hmm. and I think the 70s, she doesn't really recognize herself, it looks like. She's like, wait, she, Wanda asks who she is, and she's like, um, I don't know. And I, I don't she know. could be lying, but I don't think she is. Um, because everyone in the sitcom world, if they don't realize, if they don't get sucked in right away and notice, like they, they start to believe it's their reality. It and seems so to be to like there's a, there's a wall that gets broken with a few of these... I'm calling them yeah. like the woman who's hanging up her laundry and she has a tear rolling down it's her face going down. Yep. Like yeah. it, it just feels like um, Wanda by her own doing or not, you know, somebody's doing it for her or she's doing it herself. She's creating this reality, but nobody really seems to think anything of it until they do. And then that's when things start going wrong. Yeah. Cause what I've noticed is like, they real they they feel like they've always been in, but they don't know the history. Like they realize there's mm -hmm. no history because like in some of the promos they've been showing one and Vision sitting on the couch, and I bet this is gonna be at the end of the fifties episode. I just have a feeling. She's like, We don't have an anniversary or anything like that. Like, oh yeah, this this is just like, hey, when did this happen? It's just like this is it's like they're in some kind of like weird limbo state. Mm -hmm. I'm not really sure how to put it, but like I don't know if you get what I mean. So basically so is that but the thing is sorry, go ahead. Uh so basically what we're thinking is going to happen, you know, related to House of M, you know, living your ideal life is the main plot line of House of M. This seems to be Wanda living her ideal life. So yeah. this is just another instance of the MCU taking a major comic book story and putting a big enough twist on it so it's not the same, but it's familiar. But uh, yeah. Julia, another thing I want to ask you about, one of the most fun things about this show is in the synopsis they mention it is a mix between classic television and the marvel cinematic universe this show seems to be walking us through the history of tv i'm sure that's going to yes. play into the overall story a little more than maybe we might think but i wanted to know what what are your what are you most excited about as far as tv influences which shows are they pulling from that you are most excited to see readapted Okay, well, I've done, I actually did a list on this back in the summer for the direct site, and nice. I had quite a few in there, and I believe a lot of them are going to be correct, but I think what the- Shout out Julia for calling it, right? Let's if go, right. let's go. Well, we'll be well, on yeah, the lookout like, now. I don't know, because we saw a little bit, we hadn't even gotten the full trailer yet, but like, we'd seen like the images from the Super Bowl, but it's like, the, here's the 80s image, here's the 70s image, it's like, quite, everyone like, look at the house, yeah, look yeah, at the outfits. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was really neat, and I was like, jumped on that from there, and it's like, my summer got feelings right. Some of them I didn't really notice, and some are coming in bigger ways than I expected. So I think the format is going to be, each decade is going to have one or two shows that influence on the whole with a bunch of other Easter eggs. So 50s, I think, is going to be I Love Lucy, by the way Wanda looks, by the way Agnes is acting kind of like Ethel, the neighbor. This is going to um, be a gas! <laughs> yeah, by the way, like, Vision comes in, he's, he's probably going to be like, Wanda, I'm home, at one point, you know we have to do that. Um, and then, so that's the 50s, I believe. Um, the 60s is going to be Bewitched, based on the whole, there's a whole classic Bewitched episode now. I haven't Perfect. really seen it yet, but I'm going to watch it, ideally, before the show comes out. You're watch Bewitch before the show comes out tricks, the couple and i believe it's the witch does the real like samantha the main witch of the witch yes. you're gonna watch bewitched before next week 
Um, some of the episodes, I've seen some episodes before. I, I want to watch the episode that- I thought you were going to watch is... the entire like eight season run of Bewitched <laughs> before next week. I'm like, no, man, that no, is some work I mean, you were I putting could. in. I'm not really doing much besides like writing articles and like waiting on like basic lockdown here. So okay, hey, hey, I could have- Live that quarantine to. life, man. I Throw some Bewitched I'm watching, like I'm catching up on like Pirates of Caribbean right now on Disney Plus. Like I'm having a ball. So I don't know if we're going to be able to do that. But yeah, Pirates. so there's this episode of Bewitched that I haven't seen, but I'm going to watch. That's um, about the main couple, Samantha and her husband been Darren putting on a magic show basically and Samantha is a witch and Darren's a human so I think what happens and I think this is what's going to happen in WandaVision at least is Wanda is doing the magic for real and it looks like it's a trick but like they're, they're presenting it as a trick but she's doing it for real and that's the whole thing with the outfits and everything we've seen it in the trailers is based on episode of Bewitched you ever seen the um, movie uh, Chronicle the show, which was yeah. a 60 show that some people must think is a 50 show but it was a 60 show 61 to 65 I believe or something like that is going to be influenced because Kevin Feige and some of the other higher ups at Marvel Studios actually got to talk to Dick Van Dyke at Club 33 in Disneyland during D23 Love Expo it. back in 2019 to really get a feel of how to do these kind of shows and just kind of pick his brain so I'm um, surely that wow. show is going to play a role in the 60s and maybe the 50s as well probably the 60s it's not we're at least going to get dick van dyke influences you know what i mean yeah, the, the i want so badly you know, the, i really the hope falling he gag we'll stuff like that i really want a dick van dyke cameo of all the cameos It'd be awesome you could possibly get really cool i mean he came back from mary poppins returns so he can probably show up for this that's all okay. i want to stop you real quick that's something that i guess we haven't really focused on with them going through all these different classic tv shows and you know not to spoil what you're gonna say but you know i love lucy dick van dyke um uh what is it uh Brady Bunch, uh, Brady Bunch, Roseanne, Modern Family. There's a lot of really awesome cameo opportunities here, and I really hope we play it off. We've already seen Donna Joe Rupp um, in the 50s episode, obviously of that 70s show fame, but I think we can get a lot of good classic TV cameos here, and that's really exciting. Yeah. Um, and I hope they don't spoil any more of them. I mean, like, we, I'm glad we saw the right. one, but it's like, don't let it out, don't let it out. I hope we get some surprises because I feel like I'm piecing together this show already based on small chairs. I don't know if that's because I read the comics or not, but like, I want some surprises. So I'm hoping we get some big surprises in the form of cameos. So 70s, like I said, is the Brady Bunch. That's pretty obvious if you see the house, if you see it's the way they're perfect. dressed. Um, that's, yeah, that's like the, that's like the main thing of the 70s. I think it started in 69, but mm -hmm. that's like, it's just like the whole influence, especially with them having their kids and the Brady Bunch is a huge family. Um, 80s is Growing Pains, which is, as we see in the trailers, when they have the babies, the twins. And I'm wondering, I, I mean, I'm saying 80s is Growing Pains because the house looks like Growing Pains. That's my guess. That's why. Sure, sure. And I also think Growing Pains was the show um, way back when. The shows used to do a thing where they'd have their characters have babies, and then they'd be babies for one season, and then the next season, suddenly they're like six years old, five or six-year-olds. They skip the toddler phase. Sure. So I'm wondering, because we know everything ages faster in WandaVision, that they're going to do that with these kids. Like, they're going to be mm -hmm. babies, and then they'll be like five or six years old. I have a Wicked feeling they're going to do that. Baby. We can get a if we Every get show like did a Fresh Prince family ties. Eight, nine-year-old um, Wicked and Speed. Like, yeah. guys, Young Avengers steam is so hot right now. It's coming. It's, it's coming. so hot right now. This is like, I guess that's the big overall setup, which I mean, like, I'm like, we so just weird, right? Endgame and everything. We don't need a huge setup yet, but like, think about know. how many different properties coming up have Young Avengers setups in it. Obviously, Ant Man, obviously, Ant -Man. Hawkeye. Um, I heard Falcon, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Soldier. Possibly. Yep. I mean, like, there's so many new characters coming in that one. I'm sure they're going to be. gonna be in one of these shows. Um, if I Ms. had Marvel. to guess, uh, Miss Marvel, uh, Miss Marvel's going to be in. I assume Hawkling will either be in She Hawk or Captain Marvel. You know, being more of an alien type presence, but right. so many young Avengers setups happening. And if we can, and Julia, like you said, if we can get a little older version of those twins, you know, we've only seen them as babies, but they are babies yeah. right around the eighties period. Right. Yeah. They're babies in the eighties. And then so like coming in by the nineties, you see like, or no, maybe even later in the eighties. Cause there's this episode, there's this bit where we see her like Wanda looking like Roseanne kind of, and mm -hmm. Roseanne was in both eighties and nineties. So technically it could be either her hair looks a little more like the eighties and it looks like there's kids drawings in the background. And then by the two thousands, we, there's someone did point out a photo in the background, like a tiny little bit of it with them as teenagers, which I didn't even see their faces. Really? Don't ask me who plays them. I don't know. I don't I saw half their face, but they do seem to age by the end of this. So they'll probably be teenagers like the rest of the Young Avengers by the end, most likely. So cool. Um, <laughs> even if she has to give them up, even if, because they're not real, they're surely going to come back in some way. Right. Like, I'm, it's pretty obvious. So this show has been so spot on with how it's approaches promotion these trailers are so fun they're so colorful they're eerie in a way right you know if you haven't seen the trailers pause this episode go watch one or two of them come back to us um 
but these these trailers really present a very wacky, weird show. And you know, the synopsis says, you know, two superpower beings living ideal lives start to suspect that everything is not as it seems. The show really is doing a good job of getting us excited while also making us more and more confused as they come out. So I think that when you look at what the show is supposed to be about, who's involved and how um, you know it's going to play a role in the MCU, we can expect weirdness, you know, just based on what we've seen from the trailers, but also there's going to be a subtle eeriness. You know, there's going to be a dark tone to this at parts and i think it's going to spook us a little bit absolutely this marketing campaign with what they've done uh it's like the perfect blend of everything i've wanted because even as someone who like you know a marvel fanatic i'm a diehard fan who's always looking for all the little easter eggs and tidbits and casting announcements mr trailer breakdown mr thank you uh i still don't know what the hell is going on you know and i love that it's getting me excited while also not spoiling too much and I wouldn't even say giving away plot details as spoilers necessarily, but the fact that they're able to ramp up anticipation while also ramping up intrigue without revealing too much. I think when this season is said and done, we're going to look back at the promotional material and say episodes, I would go as far to say episodes five through nine, not a single frame of footage was put in these trailers because that's what they can do. That's the beauty of television. When you have nine hours to tell a story, you can you can honestly just take footage from the first couple, use that for promotional material and surprise us with the rest. That's what they did with Mandalorian season two. And look at how freaking awesome that second half of that season was. So yeah, I can't say enough good things about the, uh, the marketing campaign. And yeah, that synopsis, nothing is concrete there, but just reading that alone, I'm, I'm already bookmarking my couch for January 15th at 3 a.m. So before we get into where this project slots within the grand scheme of the MCU being the opening project for phase four, let's just talk about what we've learned from the trailers so far, you know, and I think there's kind of three, three key points to break down from it. One, the um, tour through the history of television, you know, for those who haven't seen the trailer, it, it, we are, we have different looks from different eras of television. The first one is a very, I love Lucy feel, you know, it's, it's black and white, you know, Lizzie's hair is all pinned up. Uh, they sleep in separate beds, very honeymooners like, um, and then we see different eras where it looks more like a Brady Bunch show when then a different one where it looks like Roseanne. And then we've seen um, some modern family vibes, you know, out of stuff we've gotten word, you know, it's been reported that, you know, there's going to be one or two, office inspired episodes you know talking heads stuff like that so i think that's a really cool thing you know wandavision right um going through the history of television so that's one point the other point is the alternate reality look at this you know i mean it's made very clear in the trailers this is a separate reality than what's really going on that's where jimmy woo's character has come in that's where uh you know we've seen Captain Han's character, Agnes, and uh, Tiona Prince's character, Monica Rambeau, they kind of break a little bit. You know what I mean? They break from the reality that they're occurring in and realize what's happening. And then the third thing is, and that's probably the last thing we'll talk about, is like where this slots within the overall MCU. The first project, it's going to introduce so many things. So Liam, let's, you know, I know I kind of went ahead there. Talk to me about what you think about the, you know, this, how the show's formatted, the eras of television look that we're getting. How do you see that kind of playing out episodically? Yeah. So I think when we, when we kick off this show, it's only appropriate that episode one would start in the earliest time period, which I believe would 50s. be the 1950s. And then we I would go ep- episode by episode through different time periods. But at the same time, it, it would be kind of surprising to me if they only do the different time periods up until, you know, 2010s would be like episode six or seven. That would really only leave two episodes left to do, big story stuff and not saying they couldn't do big story stuff in those episodes, but those to me as a viewer right now, those kind of feel like gimmick episodes with big stuff sprinkled in every now and then. And I call them gimmick episodes, not filler. Cause I know we don't like to use the F word on this podcast, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I got the, burned I, using it a lot in the beginning of Mandalorian season two. <laughs> if actually, if we do call WandaVision episodes filler, I think that would only spell well for the second half of the season. It might just yep. kick ass. So maybe we should purposely jinx ourselves, but uh, with what you're saying about how they're going to format in, I do like the idea of each episode being dedicated to a different time era, but at the same time, we see in the trailer 
her literally warping the reality objects objects shifting behind her clothes shifting tvs going from you know the big rectangular prism box to now a flat screen and all that so we will see the the reality shift and warp in real time it's just a matter of where that occurs in the episode yeah, I think, you know, the biggest one of the biggest questions, you know, obviously there's a lot of questions as far as implications with the show. But one of the biggest questions as far as how it's going to be presented is, you know, they say it's a mix of, you know, classic TV sitcoms meets the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Is that like an episode by episode mix or is it going to be within an episode? So I think you brought up a lot of good points there. Um, the alternate reality thing. The trailers have done a really good job, I think, of showing us um, that. This is definitely a world created outside of the world that we live in. Obviously, the big the, the big gotcha here is that the Vision is a character who has died twice in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and he's back. He's the main character of the show. So obviously, this isn't a real reality. This isn't a flashback. This is a, something going on in the brain or headspace, probably, of Wanda Maximoff. And we'll get to that later in our uh, comic book and TV show review segment with Julia Delbell. But I think that, you know, what they do a really good job is showing that not only are they in an alternate reality, but there are certain people who are trapped in there. You know what I mean? Like people, people feel trapped in this, but it's not just the side characters. It's not just the NPCs that we see. I don't think Wanda knows where she is or why she's there. I don't think Vision knows where she is, where he is, or why he's there, which is really interesting because he's obviously the manifested character in this whole thing. This last trailer that came out just today, time of recording, a lot of Truman Show vibes, man. Yeah. I wrote an article last week uh, comparing the show. It's going to be like Twilight Zone meets that 70s show. You know, weird, wacky stuff meets the nostalgia of that 70s show, right? I'm sprinkling in Truman Show because I don't think Wanda knows what's going on, but I'm also positive she's the reason it's happening. And I think that's such an interesting thing to go into. We'll get into the story here next. That's our next segment as we're going to get into the story of these characters. But like the fact that Wanda, the most powerful character in the MCU, you know, stated by Kevin Feige, is able to create this alternate reality, but also have no idea what's happening. Terrifying, terrifying, terrifying stuff, but also super intriguing to see how she handles it and if she gives in or if she pushes back. After all, she does say in the uh, the second trailer, Vision says to her, this is our home, then let's fight for it. Let's and whether or not she's aware that this is her home, whether or not she's aware that she's the one building this foundation uh, remains to be seen. But man, oh man, uh, it's a very <laughs> exciting point. I, I really enjoy uh, character studies. And I think that this show is going to be a character study, a case study into who Wanda is. And the split personality, the divide between Wanda Maximoff and the Scarlet Witch, if you're telling me that those are going to be kind of two sides to a, uh, the same coin, man, oh man, that's a very fascinating exploration into a character that, you know, even though she has had some great moments, this is kind of her first real spotlighted project. And I think people are going to walk away from this show going, we want more Wanda Maximoff in the future. All right, so let's just get into the story of this. I, we have to. So Wanda Maximoff in the MCU. If you don't mind, I'll take this one. All yours. Easily one of, for me anyway, personal opinion, not that opinion of the direct.com. <laughs> um, I think the most interesting character story in the MCU left. Obviously, Steve Rogers' character arc is masterful, right? You know, Tony Stark, you know, that's that's a character study that will be done for the till the end of time. But you look at Wanda. We met her as a Sokovian refugee who lost her parents, an orphan, who was taken in by Hydra and tested on in Sokovia. Then after she gained these powers from being tested on with her and her brother, she joins an evil robot and realizes that she is helping him destroy the planet with an asteroid made of her own home. A lot of layers there. Onion shit, right? So Never even thought of it like that. Wow. Right? 
She realizes what's happening. They try to recreate the Spider-Man 2 scene with that train. Spider-Man the 2 best scene is better. Movie of all time. <laughs> the Spider-Man 2 train scene is better than the Age of Ultron train scene. I'll say it fine. Um, say something nice about Spider-Man 2. <laughs> um, so she realizes you know, that she is helping cause the apocalypse, essentially. She joins the Avengers. But when she gets into battle, she can't do it. She's a kid. What, 16, 17? We don't know exactly how old she is, but she's a child, right? So she runs, she hides, she has all this power, and she doesn't know what to do with it. She's scared. So she meets with, you know, obviously the most philosophical and deep character in the MCU, Clint Barton. And Clint Barton tells her, hey, we're fighting an army of robots. The earth is flying, and I have a bow and arrow. None of this makes sense, Wanda. You don't make sense. But you know what? I'm going to go out there and fight because it's my job. And it's your job. If you want to stay here, stay safe, fine. I'll send your brother to come get you. But if you want to fight, you want to go out there, you go out there as an Avenger. Then she opens that fucking door, dude, and just wrecks shop on robots. And then from that moment, you see her gain a little confidence. She knows how powerful she is. You know why I think that? I think Clint pissed her off a little bit. It's going to be a little theme here. Don't piss off Wanda, guys. Don't poke the bear. She, she's in this battle. She helps stop Ultron. All the, all the meanwhile, meeting Vision, a uh, robotic being. I don't remember how they say it in the comics. Um, sentient, artificial sent- or something like that. Anyway, sure, a sentient robot made of the Mind Stone, the same gym that gave her her powers. Ultimate, immediate connection there. They stop Ultron. They save the world, right? We jump to Captain America: Civil War. Wanda Maximoff is an Avenger. She's being trained by Natasha Romanoff. What a combo of redheaded babes just kicking ass, right? So, Captain America: Civil War. They're in Lagos. She causes a lot of trouble. She blows up an entire building. She is labeled by the entire world media as a weapon of mass destruction still a kid and they don't grant visas to those things they really don't liam they don't so she's confined in avengers compound being babysat by who vision the person that she's had this deep connection with so after being labeled a weapon of mass destruction she goes rogue clint barton comes breaks her out she's now a you know she's a felon she's a criminal she helps Cap get to where he needs to get to in Captain America Civil War. Different story for a different time. So she's putting chains. She's got one of those mutant collars around her neck from the cartoon. She gets broken out. Move on to Avengers Infinity War. We all know what happens here. She in is Scotland. forced. Yes, in Scotland. She is forced to not only be the biggest badass in that movie, but also she is forced to destroy the love of her life in order to save the universe, not the world, not Sokovia, the universe only to see that entire act get reversed. And that love of her life, get his brain ripped out of his head. Then she gets dusted, snapped, gone forever. She comes back. She handles Thanos better than anybody in the entire MCU has ever handled Thanos. And then here we are. This kid, kid, has gone through so much in the past six years of her life. <laughs> it's crazy. I know that was a long diatribe of where we're at with Wanda, but my point is here, guys. It was Every time it was awesome. <laughs> thank you. I love this character. Every time something traumatic and awful happens to Wanda, you can see it. She gets more powerful. You see that in Endgame. That's not. That's not. Her, her being heroic that's not her saving the day she's pissed that was personal what she did to thanos so here we are a pissed off wanda maximoff who not only has lost her brother her parents her homeland her her security and her freedom but she's lost the love of her life twice why wouldn't she create an alternate reality, which we've seen her do in the MCU. Shout out Kevin Foggy. Create an alternate reality where she gets everything back. She needs it. She wants it. So that's where we're at with Wanda, guys. 
She's pissed. That's all I'm going to say. So what do we know? She's got these mind-bending reality powers, and she wants to live her ideal life. Liam, my question to you. Do you believe that Wanda is intentionally building this reality and maybe things slipped away from her? Or do you think that this is being done to her by an exterior force such as a Mephisto or a nightmare? I know you've written a lot of articles about this. I want to know your thoughts. Sure. Um, I do believe that this is an external force. And I believe a big theme of this show is going to be uh, how how far do you have to get pushed until you just can't take it anymore? As right. you mentioned, Wanda's been through a lot of trauma. Every single on-screen appearance she has, something bad happens to her. You could argue the only movie that she has, no, nothing bad happened to her is Endgame, and she's Endgame. coming back right out the gate super vengeful. Age of Ultron, she, she doesn't see her brother die. She feels it. She collapses to her knees. All the red energy goes everywhere, and you get a, just a little glimpse of what she can be at, at mega powerful. Hmm. Captain America Civil War. Um, she's broken out of prison. Well, she's she in Lagos to begin with. She's responsible for what is kind of labeled as a terrorist act. It's mm-hmm. the Avengers are labeled as vigilantes. She's the spark for why the Avengers are divided in Infinity Scovia War. Courts. Exactly. And then in Infinity War, she has to watch the love of her life die twice. She spends 120 minutes building up courage to do it herself. And when she finally does it, she has to watch it again. Talk about trauma. Going into this show, I think the big theme is going to be, like I said, how how far do you get pushed until it's not until you just can't take it anymore? And I think Mephisto is going to be heavily involved, even though it's not confirmed yet. I, I do think that will be Evan Peters's role. And I think the show will start out in this warped reality and will kind of get gaps filled in as Wanda begins to gain some of her memory back. And I think that this reality is her, quote, deal with the devil. I think that Mephisto comes along being super sly. He is Marvel's Satan, essentially. And like Satan in, in the Bible is very suave and very persuasive. I think he's going to come to her in some sort of human form, offer her a chance to start over, have a perfect life with, with the love of your life and everyone to play the part after all. Agatha Harkness says in the latest trailer, oh, you're the star of the show. And she says it very condescendingly. People around her are playing a part. Agatha Harkness or Agnes, I think, is somewhat aware of what's going on. And she's kind of playing the the director to Mephisto's executive producer of the whole project that's going on. Um, you seen Truman Show? I have seen with Jim Carrey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like that. That's that's the vibe from that scene. Right. I'm sorry to stop yeah. you. You were on a roll. But like it's the star of the show. The fear in Lizzie Olsen's face when that was said to her like star right. of the show what do you what do you mean by that like like that is that makes that makes me really feel like not only is one and not know what's going on she's terrified of it exactly and the what i'm saying too with mephisto just to wrap this up here is in the comics mephisto has uh an alternate dimension reality whatever you want to call it called hell appropriate you know he's the devil i think that this reality is that just all warped to look uh presentable and, and happy for wanda and yeah like an oasis like this perfect paradise land but in reality it's it's something much much worse that's kind of my bold prediction like i said I, I've, I've said that a couple times on the show before and i could very well be wrong but that idea is the most intriguing to me and man oh man i don't know too much about mephisto aside from what brief blurbs i've, I've educated myself on on marvel databases on on the internet but Man, he's a very intriguing character, and if he's going to play a big bad in this in this series, uh, I think Wanda's in for a, a big battle. Absolutely. Um, so you know, guys, you know, I said earlier, this trailer is doing these trailers doing everything that we want it to. It's getting us excited, also keeping us confused. But from what we know about future projects in in, in the MCU, we can also start to piece together some of the back end of the show. What is the MacGuffin of Phase 4 in the MCU, Liam? The multiverse. The multiverse. The goober. The multiverse will be introduced in WandaVision. It was teased in Spider-Man Far From Home. It was teased in Doctor Strange. It was teased in Man of the Wasp. We are getting the multiverse in WandaVision. Damn near confirmed. Alternate reality. Let's call it multiverse. Screw it, right? Sure. It has been reported since very early on in this show's production that this show will tie directly in to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. 
So I think what we can expect is a can of worms is going to be opened in WandaVision. That's going to need to be cleaned up in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And that's really exciting for me. Um, I'm excited that this show is introducing so many different things. You know, we didn't really talk too much about the production timeline, but this being the first show of phase four, it has a lot of foundational vibes to it. We're getting a multiverse. We're getting sword. We're getting the introduction, the reintroduction of Monica Rambeau, who will play a role in Captain Marvel 2. All these different things are going to have such long lasting effects on the MCU. I truly believe that Spider-Man 3 will be directly influenced by this show. I truly believe that Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness will be a pseudo sequel to this show. I think that Wanda is about to start something that she can't control. And, you know, just jumping ahead to our expectations real quick. I think that Wanda might play a bigger role negatively than we all might mm. think in the MCU. My big bold prediction, my big hot take, Wanda Maximoff will be a big bad in the MCU moving forward. And I think that this show is going to set that up because everything's been taken from her. Hooker by crook, she's getting it back in this alternate reality. When it gets taken from her again, what do we know not to do? Do not piss this chick off. It's it's just so tense what I think is going to happen at the back end of this show. But the weird, eerie part is we seem to seems like we're going to have a lot of fun along the way. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like, like as creepy and tense and circumstantial as this show is, it looks really fun too. So that's really awesome. That's really eerie. Liam, what are your big expectations for the show moving forward? And what can you expect from WandaVision? So I think when you're going to look at how it's going to impact the MCU moving forward, you got to take a look back at what the first projects of each individual phase set up for the future of their respective phases. Let's go back to 2008 with Iron Man 1 in the post credit scene. Tony Stark talks to Nick Fury and he says, I want to put together a team. Uh, I'm here to talk to you about the Avengers initiative, all that good stuff. And it leads up to 2012's The Avengers, all, obviously the culminating movie of phase one. Phase two kicks off a little bit more difficult, kicks off with Iron Man 3. As much as I love that movie, I do admit it's a standalone. It sticks out as not really impacting the greater story. After all, he gives up his, his suits in Iron Man 3 and he's back to being Iron Man in the very next appearance. So let's take a look at the second movie uh, in phase two, that being Thor the Dark World. Thor the Dark World, even though it's pretty forgettable and not a lot of people like it, even though I personally love it, it introduces the ether, which gets name dropped in the post credit scene by the collector. Um, and by two of the Warriors three, bringing uh, the ether to the collector, they say it's not wise to keep two infinity stones so close together, obviously referencing the Tesseract being kept in Odin's vault and then the ether being a separate one. So that was our first name drop of infinity stones in the MCU. Obviously moving forward, the culminating movie of phase two was Avengers Age of Ultron. While infinity, infinity stones were not the completely at the center they did play a very big part loki's scepter was confirmed to be holding an infinity stone that being the mind stone the mind stone then created uh not only uh wanda maximoff and pietro Maxim maximoff's powers but also created vision so even though the infinity stones weren't a big huge like big MacGuffin of that movie they still played a pivotal part then we look at phase three. What do we start with phase three? Captain America, Civil War. That plants the seeds of the Avengers are divided. How are they going to cooperate going forward? Obviously laying the seeds of them not being on the same page come their biggest battle in Avengers Infinity War. They have a one in 14,605 chance of winning that fight. And then when they walk into that battle divided, it's going to be pretty hard to take the W in that one. So obviously with that being the big culminating movie of Phase three, you could argue it's Endgame, but really the, the peak is Infinity War and the falling out is Endgame, if you will. Each movie that kicks off the individual phase is felt throughout the rest of that phase's movies and plays a big part in the culminating movie. Obviously, Captain America, Civil War greatly impacted Ant-Man and the Wasp. It's the reason why Scott Lang is on house arrest. Captain America, Civil War uh, greatly impacted 
um, a, a bit of Thor Ragnarok. They're the only two characters that didn't pop up in that movie. And they explain it's because they're off in space fighting their own battles. Uh, you can look back at, say, Thor the Dark World, the Aether, um, impacting the fact that, you know, now Captain America, so um, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, is experimenting with Infinity Stones in the post credit scene. We see Baron Von Strucker experimenting on the twins and all that. And then Iron Man, obviously, that post credit scene of putting the team together. It's explored further in The Incredible Hulk in that very forgettable movie. The post credit scene of Tony Stark approaching General Ross saying, what would I... What would you say if I told you we're putting a team together? And then that's echoed throughout the rest of the phase one movies. So even though WandaVision is a TV series, it is still the first project moving forward. We're going to have to get very used to saying project when referring to MCU um, installments in the future, because it's going to be so balanced between a TV series and a uh, theatrical theatrically released film. So with WandaVision kicking off phase four, the fact that we already have a very strong inkling that the multiverse is going to be the, the assembling the Avengers, the uh, Infinity Stones collecting, the, the Infinity Gauntlet of this phase, it's only appropriate that the seeds are going to be planted and we're going to see them sprout just a little bit in this movie. We know that Wanda Maximoff, Elizabeth Olsen, is going to play a pivotal role. In Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Matt has obviously speculated that she could potentially play a villain role that remains to be seen. The one tidbit we did get about Spider-Man 3 um, at Disney Investor Day, they didn't give us any casting announcements, any, any set photos, any title announcements, nothing. The only thing they said is that Spider-Man 3 was shooting and that it was going to factor directly into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So with that being said, and all the rumors circulating around the multiverse being brought into Spider-Man 3 with all the different characters, legacy villains coming back from past uh, Spider-Man franchises, it's only appropriate that Spider-Man would factor in the multiverse in some way. So if you have WandaVision, you know, dealing with other realities, other dimensions and all that, you have Spider-Man recasting um, franchises of old or bringing back characters from franchises of old. And then you have Doctor Strange 2, literally subtitled in the Multiverse of Madness. It's only appropriate that WandaVision will begin the storyline that is the multiverse impacting the greater future of Phase 4. And I could even get further into that by talking about Kang the Conqueror being an Ant-Man quantum mania. I could even go into the fact that Loki takes place and a bunch of different timelines with the Time Variance Authority, but the three main projects that you want to focus on is what's coming in 2021 and the first flick of 2022, that being WandaVision, Spider-Man 3, and Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And, you know, you're so right that, you know, obviously this show is going to set up a lot of pivotal moments that are going to take the MCU by storm moving forward in projects such as Spider-Man and Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, but I want to stick on that one just for a second. You said he's she's confirmed to be a supporting role in that movie. A lot of people love the idea of having two incredible magic using superheroes, Doctor Strange and Wanda Maximoff, fighting side by side, take down a bigger enemy, rather it be a Mephisto, a nightmare, uh, maybe the return of Dormammu, which I think would be really cool. But, you know, something that we're not considering is, you know, like I said earlier, I think there's a very good chance that Wanda becomes a big bad in the MCU. And I think Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness is where that could take place. It's not, un, it's not unheard of in the comics for Dr. Strange to turn his back's not the right word, but you know, go against a friend for the betterment of the world or the universe or his reality that he lives in. And he inadvertently you know, kills Tony Stark. Kind of, <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And he's not scared to do it with that shaking ass finger. Um, but you know, so it's, it's precedent that Dr. Strange is willing to sacrifice a pawn in order for his team to win his team being the sanctity of the world. So, you know, my dreams of Wanda being a big bad in the MCU all stem from game of Thrones. You know, a lot of people had a lot of problems with Danny Targaryen's heel turn in season eight of game of Thrones. I thought it was one of the best storytelling plots that show ever had because they teased it on and on and on and on and on again. And one of the episodes that they tease it in the most is season seven, episode five, East Watch, where Danny just mows down a bunch of people doing their jobs. 
You know, if you don't bow to me, I'm going to take you out. And she does that episode, that character moment, that pivotal coin, that pivotal rotation of the coin. That is the Targaryen bloodline directed by Matt Shackman, the director of WandaVision. So, you know, obviously we have wish list for this show. I have a very personal wish list for this show because I have an affinity for my favorite female heroes turning on everybody and just <laughs> mowing everybody down. Uh, Star Wars didn't give it to me. Game of Thrones did. We'll see what happens with WandaVision. Um, but guys, you know, I think, you know, after all this, you know, we talked a lot about what this show is telling us through promotion. We talked about a lot of what the show is telling us through the cast with Evan Peters and Agatha Harkness playing a role. And, you know, we obviously talked a lot about Wanda and her journey through the MCU. But, you know, I, at the end of the day, you know, we've said it over and over again. No one knows what's going to happen. But we know that it's going to be so consequential moving forward because that's what the MCU does. Everything matters. Everything plays a role. And I think the maiden voyage for Disney Plus in the MCU, the premier project for phase four they're gonna go all out i don't think we've talked about the positioning of this show in the mcu yet liam so i want i, I was i want to ask you what do you think it means this being show one you know you talked about uh iron man introducing the idea of the avengers you talked about thor the dark world introducing the infinity stones a huge part in the mcu that's why they go back to endgame that's why they go back there in endgame i mean Ant-Man introducing the quantum realm, a smaller movie introducing a bigger idea that ends up being a very consequential role. What do you think about this show being step one in phase four? So, yeah, you, you said it yourself. I think that there will be seeds planted here that will grow to be very big moments um, further down the line. Um, I did, I did kind of discuss this a little bit further, but I do want to expand upon that. The idea that if this is number one, let's let's talk about the release order getting shaken up because there was a time when right. Black Widow is going to kick off phase four. And then we were going to go into Falcon Winter Soldier in August 2020 and then Eternals um, November 2020, I believe was the original release. November that all got shaken up November 3rd? November 23rd, 2020. 23rd. Our Look at you. Eternals Day. Dude, I'm so excited for that movie. <laughs> wow. Matt Remke knows his, uh, knows his release dates. If that's like Marvel, ever, uh, guys. Ask me about DC release dates. I dare you. <laughs> Captain America, the Winter Soldier, April 4th, 2014. I'll never forget it. Anyways, <laughs> back to uh, back to where this, this could factor in. The fact that this was originally the fourth um, release in, in phase four, and then it got switched around a little bit because um, I believe it was January of 2020, Variety reported that it got pushed up to the fall, meaning, you know, I guess they were either done shooting or special effects were going well. Regardless, Marvel doesn't move up a project just because they want to fill time and move up a project because they it means something. The release order always means something. With everything getting shaken up because of COVID, knowing that the original plan was to go at least Black Widow, Falcon Winter Soldier, WandaVision, with everything kind of in the can ready to go at this point, they could have still done Falcon, Winter Soldier, WandaVision. There's a reason why they swapped those two at the, wouldn't say the last second, but in the past eight months of uncertainty, there's a reason why they flipped those two. And I think the reasoning is, is that even though Falcon, Winter Soldier, love it dearly, haven't even seen it, but you know how <laughs> excited I am for that show. I don't know how big it's going to factor into the future of the MCU. I think it'll introduce a lot of grounded stuff. Uh, there's reports going out uh, about possible young Avengers uh, seeds being planted. But WandaVision, I see the idea of the multiverse, the idea of the mutant gene, even the idea of splitting realities. The fact that we know, we can't confirm it, but the subtitle of Doctor Strange 2 is the multiverse of madness. Spider-Man 3, all these multiverse characters being confirmed to be joining the fray. WandaVision seems like the one that's going to, you know, be the seed that, you know, sp sprouts a whole garden of multiverse projects. Falcon Winter Soldier, I, I don't know how how far, how wide their outreach is. So I think it's very appropriate that WandaVision is kicking off phase four in that sense. You know, and we've said this for the past few weeks, weeks, guys. 
with Disney Plus now being a player in the MCU and all these shows and all these movies happening so condensed because of the lost 2020 year, it's going to be difficult to kind of follow along. It's going to take a lot of work on our end to make sure we are keeping up with this ever-moving storyline. Nothing is more important, in my opinion, than making sure you watch WandaVision and you really understand what WandaVision is putting out because this is going to lay the groundwork for all the craziness that's going to happen after it. As crazy as this show is going to be, like I said earlier, opening a can of worms. The MCU is going to have to clean it up. WandaVision is a pivotal project for the MCU. I'm so excited to finally see this character be fleshed out. Something we didn't even talk about. We are going to get a large look at uh, WandaVision and the Scarlet Witch's powers. You know, something that the trailers yeah. have told us is that, you know, we're going to get a look at what her powers are, what they mean, how she got them, and what they've done to her internally. Um, you know, that's where a lot of Quicksilver rumors come from. Um, so, you know, there, there's a handful of other things we didn't even touch on today. But, you know, guys... MCU's back all the way back and they're kicking it off as weird as possible. They're not tiptoeing big boy. They they're not, they're not feeling out the water. They're diving right the fuck in and we are ready for phase four of the MCU kicking off with WandaVision next week. And guess what? What's that? We'll be reviewing every single episode, every single week right here on the direct podcast. Please Follow along with us. We will do our best to navigate you through the muddy waters that is the MCU. And we will make sure that you know everything you need to know about the multiverses you love. Cheers.